YBH podcast. As always, my name is Adam Sparlin, and I am joined by my name's Jeff Thurlow. There he is. Well, man, it's been a little bit of a hiatus, Jeff. It's uh, I think uh, just uh, busyness and and what it is. We we ended up not recording anything for August. It's been crazy busy. It it has been that, and uh, you know it's it's nice to be back. It's nice to to get to talk to everybody, and uh, I think. You know, I think we're very excited for what we've got planned today. Uh, but before we go any further, uh, I believe we need to share a safety message. Jeff, what do you got for us? Yeah, it's hard to believe that it's already September. Um, I want to say in some some ways 2020 has went by, and in other ways I don't think it can end fast enough with <laughs> the things that are going on. Um, school is back in session in some capacity. And uh, so we all need to be watching out for those school buses as we're traveling, you know, whether it's the professional drivers out there traveling up and down the the interstates and the highways and byways, or it's just us office folks that are, you know, coming in, coming into work and leaving at night. Um, And I know, especially as I traveled to work this morning, um, there was a dense fog advisory and boy, was it foggy. Uh, It was the visibility was very limited. So, you know, as we're out there, we're, we're watching for those buses to stop and pick those kiddos up and um, just make sure when we see those lights come on that we're, we're slowing down and stopping and letting those folks do their thing. And uh, we're making sure that everybody gets home safely. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head. It's, it, it is that time of year. And obviously there's always that learning curve. You spend that summer not watching for buses at all. And then all of a sudden they're back on the roads. And, you know, I know, um, uh, when I used to run dedicated, the, the route I would go, I had a two lane highway, uh, Arkansas 27. And, you know, depending what time of day my pickup was, I would run into a school bus on that route and dang it. Sometimes I had to follow them the whole way. Yep. <laughs> so, um, you just kind of got to be ready for it. You know, it, it, it's a part of it. And, you know, we, we want to make sure those kids are well taken care of and safe. And, you know, part of that's our responsibility. You know, we're, we're the professional drivers out there on the road. And so, you know, we, we have a responsibility to the other motorists and that does include the passengers on those buses. Yeah, absolutely. As busy as we all get and we're in a hurry to get to wherever we're going, we just want to make sure that one, if, if something does happen, whether how minor or major it is, um, it's it's better just to be safe and slow down a little bit than have something happen that's going to delay us for you know hours or or more. So you're exactly right. Uh, so what do we got coming up this month, Adam? Uh, you know I think we're uh, we're pretty excited. Uh, we're actually going to take a pause from talking about the coronavirus. I know we've covered it pretty much what three, four, five out of the last six months. Um, and and obviously it's still ongoing. Yeah, still ongoing. Jeff, I got tested yesterday. So. Yep. You know, don't, I'm waiting on my results. So, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those where we're obviously all going through it. We're all facing this together. Um, and, uh, what I would say though, is we're going to break from that and we're going to talk about another hot topic coming up. And that is the new hours of service changes. And, uh, I think we, uh, I think we scored probably the, the best guess we could have for this. And, uh, she, she is a, a good friend of CFI. 
Okay. Good friend of all the carriers. Uh, you know, if you if you look for this lady online, you're going to find her talking to any carrier of any volume or size uh, in, in our area because she she's the one who goes and talks to to the other carriers and talks to any carrier about about the the DOT yeah. or at least the enforcement of the DOT's regulations. And so. We're going to be joined by Chief Michelle Horn with Missouri Highway Patrol. She works at, at our local inspection station just in Joplin at the, the way station. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And I know I'm always excited and it's, it's, it's always interesting to be able to get out there if, if she's on site and doing, you know, the different things that she does for CFI. And I know she does for other carriers. Um, it's, it's nice to see that, you know, there's always that stigma from you know, even, you know, professional drivers, you know, sometimes they're looked at from on a, in a negative light. And I, I know that, you know, sometimes the unknown for, you know, just police officers or, you know, the highway patrol in general, they kind of get the same thing. And it's always good to have a relationship like that with, with folks like her that are able to get in here and, and break down some barriers and share information and make sure that we're all knowledgeable because we're all, we're all out here to do, to do one thing and that's, you know, do our jobs and make sure everybody's doing it safely. Yeah. Yep, and that's uh, I know we're I know we're gonna plan on touching on that quite a bit, and and being being that at the at the end of the day we all we all do the same thing, and their job their job is to enforce the regulations that we go through and take care of in our day to day job. You know, our day to day operation is to make sure that our vehicle is in tip top condition and isn't gonna hurt anybody, ourselves or anybody. Let's rephrase that, and so you know. At the end of the day, we might do different aspects of the same job, but our jobs coincide a lot more than we really talk about or admit most of the time. Yeah, and I think we want folks out there like her that's gonna to hold to hold up the you know the expectation of the of the job and being a professional driver and and nobody wants to be around the the vehicle that's you know got the the ball tires and possibility of blowing out or something dragging or whatever it is. So to have to have folks out there like her and and the other officers of the Missouri Highway Patrol doing doing their job and doing it professionally is it's just a it's a good deal to have. Agreed. It, it, you know, it's a testament to their character, and uh, we're grateful for them, and we appreciate all their hard work. So, with that, as soon as we come back from a little musical break, we are back with Chief Michelle Horner. Let's get after it. And welcome back. We are now joined by Chief Michelle Horn with the Missouri State Highway Patrol. Michelle, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Just kind of, uh, kind of if it wouldn't bother you too much, may, could we ask you to maybe just introduce yourself a little bit? Uh, in general, what, what is your role with the, with the Highway Patrol? Yeah, I'm Chief Michelle Horn, like you said. Um, I've worked for the Highway Patrol for almost 15 years. And within almost the last year, I was recently promoted to Chief Commercial Vehicle Officer over Troop D. So I'm over all of our commercial vehicle enforcement for our civilians in the Troop D region, which covers Springfield, Carthage, Joplin, all of those areas. Basically, I'm a management to uh, make sure everybody's staying on task. You know, as a as a former driver myself, and I know Jeff's driven. Um, you know, 
obviously when you're getting pulled in and, and getting inspected and, you know, sometimes Missouri's not so bad about it, but we, we all know some states, California, <clears throat> that tend to tend to do a lot of thorough inspections. It feels like, you know, somebody's really out to get you sometimes. But at the end of the day, it really is about everybody going home safe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for sure, our number one goal as far as enforcement or any law enforcement in the country is for us to go home safe at night to our families, uh, to our homes. And it's the same for a truck driver. They want to complete their run or complete their load and make sure that they get their home time as well. So I think we all have the same end goal in mind and safety and inspections and all those play a huge part of that and and what we all do out here out on the road and you're you're actually out there at, at the scale house this morning aren't you yeah i'm actually out at our scale house in joplin and we're hitting it hard this is road check week uh so we're doing a lot of level one inspections and taking care of business so as our audience is you know as our professional drivers and and just pro- professional drivers in general, when, when those folks are coming through your scale house, what are some of the things that they can do to just be prepared for, you know, to, to make that process kind of smooth and get, you know, obviously you guys do a lot of trucks in a day. So anything we can, you know, any kind of information we can give them to make that process go a little more smooth that, that would help them out quite a bit and help you. Yeah. Uh, first thing is to know where, where your paperwork is, where you keep that folder, where it's located in the truck, because those are the first things we're going to ask for is the driver's license, the registration, all of the paperwork that we need to complete our side of the paperwork uh, to do the inspection to get you back out on the road quickly. But knowing where all that is, where your bill of lading is, have a spot for it, know where that spot is, uh, that would expedite it. And then obviously knowing your hours of service, your your logbook, your ELD, uh, how to work that, how to transfer those logs, all of those things help speed up our process. You know, with with that kind of on on that same subject, you're talking the ELD. I, I know you guys see you know a multitude of different desi- devices, and there's hundreds of different providers out there now. Um, how how important is that cab card to you guys? the cab information card for the different uh, ELD devices? It is extremely important. Uh, most of us, now that we've, we're going on a couple years here with the ELDs, and even before that, the AOBRDs, we know how most of them work. However, there are, like you said, hundreds of them, and there's no way by any stretch that we could ever train or know enough about each and every single device that's out there. So that mm. card is actually extremely important. It's going to tell us how to work it if we're not familiar with it. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, not just to make sure that is important. I just want to make sure some of our professional drivers, just a quick reminder, um, you know, it, it, drivers, if you don't have one of those cards, they're ready to available at any terminal. And uh, also they're in the back of your quick reference guide. So if you do have a quick reference guide in your truck in the back page of that, we keep a second copy of that with you as well. So just one of those things reminds CFI drivers, another easy place to find that. But, um, well, uh, Michelle, I guess the, uh, 
kind of the the big elephant in the room this month though is is we've got some new hours of service coming huh yeah uh, there's a lot of changes a lot of changes for local drivers a lot of changes for adverse weather conditions and then obviously the big the big ones is the split sleeper berth uh, change that's coming out is going to affect the industry quite a bit i don't know for good or for bad or for either way, I guess it's just kind of, we'll have to wait and see how it turns out. Hopefully Mm -hmm. it works out for more flexibility for the drivers, but it's kind of one of those things that's a change. So we'll have to kind of sit back and observe and see how those things go. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, I know off the air, we talked, you know, a little bit there about, uh, the training. Do you think maybe you could share some of that? Cause I mean, we know what kind of training we're going to be putting out for our professional drivers. We know what's coming, you know, that they're, they're getting down the pipeline, um, from our safety department that's already putting it out there and then they've got more to come. Uh, what, what are you and your, you know, your fellow officers having to, what does this mean for you? What kind of training have you guys had to go through to get ready for this? But yeah, earlier, uh, this year when the rules had basically came out and they went up to get approved. They had sent out a quick a quick training for us via email. And so we all had to review that. It took about a good hour for us to review kind of what was coming down the pike with it. And then uh, yesterday, myself and officers from across the state, and today there's more, uh, the rest of them from across the rest of the state, we all had to go through uh, six plus hours of hours of service training and that's all we trained on was the changes for the hours of service and that it even included us having to do work projects so we had you know several days logs that we had to go through and look for violations and how to calculate the hours and so we've we've been through an extensive amount and I'm sure before the 29th comes around that we will have even more training coming to us and to get us ready for the big change. It's going to come at us fast and furious. That's for sure. Um, yeah. When all, the, when all even, this happens, they, go ahead. I was going to say, they even had told us yesterday that usually when they do an hours of service change, there's a soft enforcement date. So we give kind of like a grace period for it. Um, with this hours of service change, there is no soft enforcement date. So on the 29th, the hours of service are going to change, and it's changed, and we're just rolling with it from there. So there, there won't be a soft enforcement date uh, for that. Well, that was going to be, be a, a complete rollout. Yeah, that was going to be my ne- very next question. Yeah, and I think some <laughs> of the stuff we no, no, you're fine. I I think some of the stuff we talked about with the technology, that's uh, you know, good good bit we can tell you know any professional driver to listening. And I know we we run uh, uh, Trimble's PeopleNet devices in our trucks, and uh, you know our drivers we're we're going to be putting a big big uh, push with them that they need to make sure and log out and log in uh, after 12:01 on the 29th. Otherwise, that new hours of service isn't going to take effect on their tablet. Uh, you know, I would, uh, anybody listening to this, whether you drive for CFI or, or transport America uses a different device than us or, or any other carrier, you know, find out what process you need to do, because there's a good chance that whoever your provider is, you're going to have to log out and log back into your device to make sure you have the, the new changes in effect. 
Michelle, what are yeah, what are some? Go ahead. Knowing how knowing how to get that uh, device to to restart, or if they you know have to do a hard reboot or something like that, and then one the second thing is to be patient with it. We're going to have to be patient with it as it rolls out, um, making sure that the driver you know has those capabilities. But even uh, our federal system where we log in the ERod system for us to look at it enforcement side, uh, we have a a toggle switch that we can float back and forth uh, for that week that those hours of service do change. So FMCSA has already placed that in in their system, but we also have to know, you know, what days we're looking at to know <laughs> which hours of service switch we have to, to flip to check for compliance there. What are, you know, thinking back, when I came back in, in 2011 to start driving again, um, I, I previously to that I had been on paper logs. And now we come back in 2011 and I was on um, electronic logs. Um, what are some of the more in-depth things that you guys look for now compared to then when you're, when you're talking about, you know, just auditing their logs and, you know, obviously there's, I don't, I don't know if it's less errors or anything like that, but is, is there anything you can offer in that aspect? Uh, yeah, we're looking at all the information that's required um, for Section 395. So especially up in the header, we're looking for, you know, the driver's license information, the state, the driver's login, does it match the license that's on there? Uh, we're also looking for miles driven, location codes, all of those things gives us a little bit more idea of where that driver's been than prior pen and paper of, yep, this is where I was at. I'll pick a city and state location or whatever the road sign says, even if I'm 20 miles away from it, I'm just taking that exit ramp. So it, it's a lot more specific of where that driver's at. Uh, so that gives us a better understanding of what their trip has looked like or what they've been through uh, when we're editing or not editing, but looking at uh, their logs for inspection. That makes sense. I'd say the, the most uh, interesting part of it we've, we've kind of started looking into was some carriers have switched back between ARB or D mode and ELD mode. There's some devices that, um, still have that old system available to their drivers. And so we've been uh, looking at and being able to detect when a driver's switching modes, which it, if they're in AOBRD mode, it doesn't give us all the information that the ELD is required to. So it makes it kind of easy for us to tell if they're switching back and forth because of the information that the device is able to share with us. Um, so we that's kind of been new and on the horizon. There's just a, it's still a false logbook. It's just a different type of false logbook than what we're used to. It's, it's always been interesting just to think about the different ways there's always been to cheat the system from the old days of two and three logbooks to, uh, to today being able to, to do something like that. It's, you know, I, I can imagine how difficult it is to find those things and, and, you know, enforce that kind of stuff. 
yeah and every time it feels like you're catching up with the curve or you're you're right on the bubble of what they're doing or what's attempting to happen then there's always another another avenue that they take and so it it's difficult but you it keeps it makes you want to stay on top of your job it makes you want to stay on top of your training that way you're you're helping you're getting those drivers that need to be off the road off the road absolutely yep yep i mean it's you know that that running yourself to the point of fatigue is, is never a good choice and you know we the sad thing is, is we see the horror stories more than you know more than the, all the good drivers that are out there you know you you don't hear about you don't hear about somebody who drives for 10 hours and then goes to bed you know you you, you unfortunately hear the horror stories more, more often than not and so you know the, those are the things you you don't want to see and uh, you know i feel I don't know. It's it's just frustrating that for everybody who does it legal, you have to fight these terrible things that are going on too. Yeah, and I mean it's the same same for us on the enforcement side. You know, unfortunately, yeah, the guys that we inspect, they'll get those CBSA stickers, they'll get those attaboys or those clean inspections, and we do a ton of them a day. But you don't ever get that data. What you're getting the data on is those that were in violation or we get called out to the traffic crashes that occur that have serious physical injury, or unfortunately sometimes it causes a fatality accident and we have to go out and investigate those drivers, even if they're not at fault, we're still having to investigate, you know, what happened, their logs, everything that goes into it. And those are, those are hard scenes to have to, to come up on. You know that you bring up a good point. Those those things like that that happen, and you know, just your your folks' daily job as as troopers working those scale houses and different things like that is, it's kind of the tough part of the job, and it's I'm I'm sure it's tiring, and you guys put in a lot of, lot of long hours. Um, how rewarding is it to you know I know that you've been out here at CFI a few times, and um, you know I don't know if you've been out to other carriers. I'm sure you have, but how rewarding is it to get out there and and do things you know like that you've done out here with CFI and our drivers and show them, you know, different things on the truck and what you guys look for and things like that. Yeah, I've gone to several carriers, uh, especially here in the Joplin area of a couple up around Springfield, but yeah, I think it's probably one of the most rewarding parts of the job is actually getting out and working with industry to make the industry safe, not only in the Joplin community and the areas surrounding, but nationwide. The impact that you have talking to a driver, whether they stay with that company or they go elsewhere, it's always good to, you know, share that knowledge. It's not knowledge that needs to be retained by one person. It's it's something that you need to share, that you need to get out there, uh, that you're you're trying to implement with several drivers, or even if you make an impact with one driver, it's it's huge. It could change change an accident or an inspection or anything like that. Jeff, did we have any, uh, any driver questions? I know we kind of spattered in some of the things some of our drivers asked us about Did uh, um, do, do you have any specific that come to mind here that some of the drivers asked us on, on workplace here? Yeah, uh, we, we've got to a few of them. Um, one of them that was sent in is, uh, are all the Missouri state troopers qualified to complete log audits or only a select few? Is that, you know, any state trooper, Michelle, or is it the DOT specific officers? 
Um, we kind of have a mix. So any of us that work in a scale house facility, we are all trained, certified inspectors. Uh, we have portable scale units and those guys do the same job that we do here at the scale, just out on the portable unit. So they are all certified. Uh, we also have commercial vehicle enforcement troopers, which are, we call them our CVET team. And they are actually Missouri State Troopers, but their focus or their specialty is in commercial vehicles. And so they are certified. And then we also have some of our road troopers, not all of them, but some of them are actually level three certified or part A certified um, inspectors. So they will actually be a Missouri State Trooper just pulling you over to check paperwork. So no, not all of our officers are certified in this state, uh, but there is a good portion of us that are. Yeah, that actually just that brings up just up a question. I, I've uh, I've seen this before on uh, I forty nine here in Missouri. Uh, I, I don't mm-hmm. know what he had done to to get himself pulled over, but I saw a truck that had been pulled over by a Missouri Department of Conservation vehicle. Um. Uh, it could have been a cigarette thrown out a window or something like that, I'm sure. But was there are other departments, are there other other branches uh, of law enforcement in the Missouri state that that do have DOT certified? Or maybe was that just something obviously not affiliated with the DOT, but got himself in trouble in another um, way? <laughs> I would say the, the conservation thing was probably something else that that agent was looking for specifically for that vehicle or whatever took place. But we do have other agencies in the state of Missouri that do inspections. So Kansas City PD, uh, their metro area has a commercial vehicle enforcement team. And so you will see some of the Kansas City PD officers uh, doing inspections there. Same thing in St. Louis. And then I believe, I think it's just St. Louis City that does um, inspections up there. So you have a couple metros that will do it. When you know when a when an officer pulls a driver over, um, how is it decided what level of inspection that that that, fo- that professional driver is going to get that day? Is that something that's kind of decided by that specific officer, or is it, I guess, in a different way? Honestly, it depends on a lot of it is what we see. So is there a flat tire or is the suspension flat or a lot of times some of our portable units will inspect uh, dump truck drivers for weights or measures. Uh, Some of them will be measurement for length. Um, So it just depends on honestly what we see at the time of the stop. Some of it could just be, hey, I need to do a walk around inspection or a level one inspection, it's completely at random of what they're looking for, what they see. So all of our inspections in Missouri are what we call a random inspection. We just pull you in to to complete the inspection or, you know, we see an out of service violation then obviously we're going to, to pull those folks aside as well. And that makes sense. You know, we, we encourage our, our folks whenever, you know, Adam and I, or any type, anybody from leadership goes down and talks, especially to the orientation classes each week. You know, we talk about um, keeping the dash clean and, you know, our president, Greg Orr is big on, you know, clean trucks and keeping your dash clean and different things like that. And I, I kind of assume that that's, you know, what, what your response would be. And I, it's, 
kind of went there with that. Just, you know, that's we always encourage our folks to do those types of things, and I think that helps. Um, obviously, there's, there are some things that they can't avoid, but um, anything that we can do on a daily basis, I think, will help that out. Yeah, uh, a lot of folks out here have what we would call, I guess you'd say, the dirty dash theory or the passenger seat trash can. Uh, that's a good indicator that, you know, the driver might not care about the vehicle that they're driving or may not uh, do a thorough pre-trip just because, you know, if they're not taking care of the inside of the truck, are they taking care of the outside of the truck? So those are certainly things that that go into play, especially more more so at the scale house because we have a little bit longer to look at them than out on the interstate. Are there any specific like red flags you know, that that just immediately, I know you talked about the um, the driver's license and how some of these carriers are able to switch between AOBRD and ELD, and it, and that's kind of giving you a red flag and a warning. Is there anything like that, that, you know, maybe a driver's making a mistake and doesn't realize they're doing it, but it would be an immediate, immediate red flag for you guys? A lot of times when we transfer the logbook into our E-ROD system, the big thing that we're seeing is, are they powering up the unit or powering down the unit when they're finished? A lot of times if they don't or they forget or they forget to load out, then you're seeing like a power up failure and it'll come up as not, um, it doesn't come up as, it comes up as missing information for us. And so then okay. we're going to start working really hard at like the odometer reading to make sure there's not an odometer jump or, you know, that they've unplugged the device or anything along those lines. Um, so making sure that they log in and log out and that, you know, they accept their driving and that the other thing is, is that they are certifying their logs at the end of the day. We see that mm-hmm. a lot um, that they, they forget to do that. Yeah, and that that one I know we can kind of attest to. We've been we've been working pretty closely with PeopleNet to try and improve. They there's some there's some log approval glitches in the tablet side that they've been working on improving. So, um, you know, so that I can definitely attest to, and we, I know we see that quite a bit, and we work with our drivers a lot, giving them multiple ways to approve their logs because the technology's been difficult. Right. Yeah. The other thing, the other big thing that we see, um, personal conveyance. Uh, people using and abusing that to some degree, and then some people are using it the right way, but it's usually, you know, hey, I'm out of hours. I, I'm just, you know, 60, 70, 80 miles away. I'm just going to, you know, go on PC and venture my way that way and drop my load. And the big thing is, is to know you can't continue the load. You can't further the load on personal conveyance. You know, just from a, before we get ready to wrap this up, Michelle, from a safety aspect, is there anything that you see kind of on a repetitive basis that our drivers, you know, just the professional drivers in general, that what they could do, whether it's, you know, getting the triangles out sooner, um, you know, especially with these roadside inspections, I think we, we can all appreciate the fact that that's probably one of the most dangerous positions, you know, for a professional driver or a state trooper to be put in that type of situation. Is there anything they could do that we see that maybe we could do something a little bit different? 
Yeah, here in Missouri, especially um, there's a, a state law that requires us if the road is posted for 45 miles per hour or over speed limit, we're required to pull that truck and trailer onto an entrance or an exit ramp to complete an inspection or at a safe location. So if you're getting pulled over, especially roadside, there, we're looking for an entrance ramp or an exit ramp or safe pull off. So just keeping in mind, obviously, anybody, including myself, that the red and blues come on behind you, you're going to have a moment of panic. <laughs> oh, no, sure. What have I done? Um, but be mindful of, is there an exit ramp coming? Is there, you know, a truck stop to pull off? Or is there a turn off to pull off just to get off the main traveled portion of the roadway? That way it makes it safe for us to be able to walk around that vehicle, do that inspection. And if we had to have the driver come out of the vehicle to help us with a equipment check or registration on the trailer or something, then they're in a safe location as well. Well, just kind of a, I guess, kind of a follow-up along that is, uh, you know, just to, if you know there's something coming up, saying like a mile, but obviously that's a little bit of a stretch, you know, when you have those red and blues coming up behind you. Do most officers recognize that if driver flashes his taillights that he's acknowledging that you're there and looking for something like that? Or is that more of a situation where, you know, it's best to to kind of get over when you can? Yeah, especially here in Missouri, we're all trained. We know, kind of know where to work to make sure we're around those, those entrance and exit ramps. But yeah, just kick on those four ways. We're going to recognize that. We're going to see that. We're just going to follow you in. Now, if the officer wants you to pull over for something else, obviously that's happened. They might come up alongside you and motion you to the shoulder of the road uh, to get you to pull on over. But yeah, most of the time we're we're going to pull you over. Probably, I'd say less than would turn those red and blues on less than a mile from the the ramp. That way, you know it's not super far back there where you're you're trying to <laughs> to figure out where to go. Uh, it's usually pretty quick to that ramp. That's just one question I've always kind of wondered is how do you, what is a good way to communicate with that officer to say, I know you're there, you know? Um, So I appreciate that a lot. Yeah. And I'm glad you shared that because I, I, I guess I didn't, I haven't thought about that in the past. I didn't get pulled over a whole lot when I was driving, but um, it's, it's good information to share on, you know, taking the next exit compared to, um, you know, just on the shoulder of the road. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I think uh, as I was just kind of in my head, just kind of reviewing everything we thought about talking about. And one thing you said early on, and I'd just like to touch on this briefly, because I know there's a bunch of stuff out there saying what the changes are. And obviously Jeff mm-hmm. and I didn't, weren't going to focus a ton on that, but I think most of them are fairly straightforward in their explanation. You know, when you talk about the new split break, you talk, you talk about the, uh, the new air, air mile radius for the local drivers, um, and then the 30 minute break now being able to be done on duty. The, the one that I'd like, maybe if you would be able to clarify it a little bit would be on the, the weather, uh, the, the new one, when you talk about special circumstances for weather, how is that written and how, how would a, how would a driver know when it's safe to use that? Uh, because I think out of all of them, that's the one that's always been a gray area, you know, as a professional driver is like, can I use, do I have a, a, a safe haven? Um, you know, and I know you hear it a lot and I know there hasn't ever really been a safe haven law. So how does, it seems like this addresses it a little bit. 
how does that really work? Okay. Yeah. Give me just a moment. I'm pulling up the training that I actually received yesterday for adverse weather conditions. And I will read it to you straight from the slide. Hey, that'll help a lot, I think. The new change for 395.2 is defined as adverse driving conditions means snow, ice, sleet, fog, or other adverse weather conditions or unusual road or traffic conditions that were not known or could not reasonably be known to a driver immediately prior to the beginning of the duty day or immediately before beginning the driving after a qualifying rest break or sleeper burst period, or to the motor carrier immediately prior to dispatching the driver. So that's the big change there is that if the driver's out prior to the beginning of his day or immediately before, if he's not aware of a traffic condition, a motor vehicle crash or something like that, then they're going to be given or can use that adverse driving condition. And then obviously they, they'll use that until they can find a safe haven there. Yeah, and I think just, you know, living in the four states area like we all do, I think some of the things that come to my mind is, you know, flooding or, you know, God forbid another tornado or anything like that. But those are the two big ones that right. I thought of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, these pop-up right. thunderstorms it, obviously are a concern. And it does go uh, in the notes here. It does tell us that um, it's to be applied when there's an unforeseeable immediately prior to driving or the dispatch. Driving into poor weather that has been forecasted on the route for days or even hours prior to driving would not be eligible. So if it's something that they're forecasting several days out, you know, there's going to be like 12, 14, 16, 18 inches of snow somewhere, hopefully not Missouri. Sure. Uh, <laughs> then if they're forecasting that, then you wouldn't be eligible because there would be time for communication to come out on that. Uh, the so other thing would be rush hour traffic. Uh, Atlanta is usually the good one to go with. Atlanta <laughs> rush hour traffic never changes. It's always terrible. Uh, when you encounter rush hour traffic, that's not going to be a, an adverse driving condition. So you would not get the exemption for that. Okay. So I think, you know, I think just to dumb it down even probably a little more, because I know in the, we, we all know that obviously enforcement laws and everything like that, sometimes they're written in a way that makes sense to the law. And then to us, it's kind of like, well, so hurricanes, snowstorms, stuff like that, definitely out, definitely things that that doesn't apply to. But these pop-up right. thunderstorms, these, um, a train blocked your way, you know, a train stopped on tracks, you know, things like that are going to be, be where that might be, be applied. Right. And it, they can apply that adverse driving condition. It's going to give them a two hour extension um, to their day. So it will extend that up to 13 hours uh, and a 16 hour driving window. So they'll, they'll, they actually gave a specific amount of time for that extension on this one as well. Well, thank you. I think that, that, uh, like I said, the others were very self-explanatory and that one, I, you know, I think maybe because of the gray area that's existed on that for so long, where a mm -hmm. lot of officers have always been flexible right there, you know, where, where 
you know, they understand you got caught in traffic because of an accident stop you for, you know, I've never heard of an officer just saying, nope, you're done, you know, in that situation and automatically running to it. So, so I think the gray area has probably made that even a little more confusing, at least to me. And I, I, I would think other people out there as well. So I, I do appreciate that. That definitely good clarification. Yeah, no problem. But well, um, Michelle, something we do here, uh, that, uh, on most of our calls with professional drivers from multiple departments, we do this thing called a safety sandwich. We, we open every conversation with, uh, asking if they're hands free and then closing with some type of safety message. Um, and we kind of bring that over to our podcast as well. And so uh, Jeff and I will, uh, will have a safety message at the beginning of the show before you, before you were involved. But as we kind of close up, I think as we were talking, the safety message we wanted to close with, especially with you here on, on the line is we wanted to talk about when a driver's approaching and they see those flashing lights on the side of the road to make sure they slow down or move over. And, uh, you know, I, I felt maybe we should at least give you the the opportunity because I, I have a feeling uh, as an officer, you probably have a lot more insight into that and how important that is, uh, you know, than even we do as, as drivers who see that on the road. Yeah. The most important thing, I've, I've got the opportunity over the last seven months, I got to work one of our portable units. I've been out on the interstate, I've been out on the highway, and you know, a driver doesn't know where to pull over, so they immediately hit the brakes and pull to the shoulder. You know, I understand that. You see the red and blues, you panic, you you just pull over because that's, you know, what you're supposed to do. Uh, you make that approach on that vehicle. Most of the time, we're going to try to do a passenger side approach just for our safety. But if you can't and you're doing that driver side approach, having tractor trailers or cars flying by you right there next to you on the fog line is one of the scariest experiences uh, that you can go through. You don't know what that driver's thinking. You don't know if they're paying attention. So yeah, I think the most important thing is you see those red and blues absolutely slow down first. And then when, when it allows, or if you can move over, but if anything, if you can't move over, because I know cars are going to be flying around because they're everybody's in a hurry anymore, slowing down is the most important thing. Well, thank you very much because I know that's uh, I know that's something that's that's near and dear to all of your guys' hearts. Because uh, again, like we talked about at the top of the show, everybody wants to go home, and so and that that's our goal at the end of the day. So. You know, I don't think we could we could stress that safety message enough that if you see the red, blues or the yellows for for uh, for roadside uh, maintenance vehicles, tow trucks, you know, same thing. Move over or slow down. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Well, Michelle, thank you for coming on. And um, and again, congratulations on the promotion. Um, always, always like seeing you out here, you know, giving us knowledge and and helping us educate our professional drivers. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And I think I will probably see some of your drivers and some of you October, October 2nd for the rodeo you guys have going on. I'll be there to to judge pre-trip inspections again. So well, I good look deal. forward to it. 
Very cool. Yeah, that should be pretty exciting. I think there there'll be some more information on that because we're they're doing it a whole new way with all kinds of social distancing measures and should be kind of kind of a neat and different yeah. experience for us. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Michelle. Thank you.